This is the Doctor Who podcast, and you are most welcome. Hello and welcome to episode 302 of the Doctor Who podcast, where James and I are going to discuss Skyfall Part 2. Hello, James. Do you mean Spyfall? <laughs> I thought I said Spyfall. Did I not say Spyfall? You said Skyfall. Uh, a few last-minute drinks before the end of the Christmas holidays can do that to you. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting, actually, that you refer directly to a James Bond film when I would say this week's episode didn't feel like a James Bond film at all, <laughs> certainly not compared to last week's. No, they were very clearly riffing on on the Bond theme last week, and quite Mm. deliberately so. And although there was a few hangovers, especially the gadgets, clearly they went in a different direction this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, um, I'm not going to go with any preamble other than this sentence and just say, what did you think? Um, I, I mean, we've just literally bounced out of watching episode two, Mm. and I'm... I enjoyed last week's. I thought last week's was fun, pacey. Yes, it was of the same theme as last season, but there was just an extra level of energy to it. It was fun. There were action sequences, jokes. It it worked for me. It buzzed along and it worked for me right until the very end when we got the big reveal of the master. And of course, this episode, there was much more of the master. Mm. I don't I didn't really enjoy the master plot. In fact, I thought it detracted from the main plot. I thought Lenny Henry was great. And I thought the Lenny Henry story was fun and enjoyable. And I thought an awful lot of the stuff with the Master was less so. And overall, I've ended up feeling a bit flat about this week. It wasn't terrible. There's nothing that I hated in it. But last week, I came out actually quite positive and you know full of energy. This week, I'm a bit, okay, that was an episode. Wow. Okay. Uh, interesting. I, I would say I'm, I'm probably in the same place as you, but I got there differently i i would say that i really enjoyed the master this time the character beats the discussion between the master and a doctor i really liked and i was really pleased to see that there wasn't uh, a manic master in the way that last week's reveal kind of suggested there there would be but the the actual plot i mean you, you mentioned the plot there um and the elements of the story that the master featured in heavily did did you mean the story itself you didn't like very much or or just the characterization of the master kind of a bit of both really i i thought that the i mean i enjoyed the character of ada lovelace and was it noon or nuna the, the mm, world no, war ii i think nora yeah. that's it mm. um i enjoyed those characters i thought that they set them up very nicely. I thought the scenes were set up quite nicely. But that whole plot of bouncing through time and having lots of sort of tete-a-tetes with the master, to me, just felt a little bit like a B-plot that wasn't really going anywhere. Meanwhile, 
back at the main plot there was interesting stuff happening it it, it just seemed an awful lot of sort of style over substance for me other way round for me entirely <laughs> uh, th- those parts i loved the, the 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 master interaction i think that was great it's just that the a plot as you quite rightly call it um i i wasn't particularly interested in and that gave or that led me to feel the way that you said you felt um, uh, at the top of the episode, which was just fairly mm, flat. Oh, interesting. And I, I really enjoyed Lenny Henry. I thought he was excellent. I thought he was in control. Frankly, he was more of a master than the master. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> okay. I, you know, I, I, for me, the master is always going to be primarily Anthony Ainley because that was my, my first master, and with with a sub helping of uh, of Reggie Roger Delgado, who was always calm, collected, in control, one step ahead of everybody else, and while you think you're running around, you're actually falling into his plan. Uh, and yes, obviously in the end you get caught out, but through all the way up to the very end, always calm, always collected, always in control, which is exactly what Lenny Henry's character was. Um, and he was one step ahead, and he was outthinking them, and he was outplanning them. Where, meanwhile, the real master was getting frustrated and didn't seem to be quite in control of his own destiny and was getting a bit, you know, showing his frustration, banging his head against the the, the TARDIS console. Some of the stuff from last week as well, where they're doing the giggling. I don't like the sort of manic, not quite in control master. For me, the master should be that suave, sophisticated, aloof it's Roger Delgado, basically. That's, the, I mean, maybe it's just my classic Who tendencies coming out, but it's always been Roger Delgado and Anthony Ainley for me. Hmm. No, I'm, I'm sure it is, but I, I think perhaps you're um, misremembering or not remembering some of the crazed moments from uh, Delgado or, um, or, or Ainley. They were suave and sophisticated, uh, but they lost it when the Doctor got in the way, and there's always a moment in the old Pertwee era, or, or, or even, well, certainly Tom Baker, and actually all of the classic eras, uh, where the Master's plans have been foiled, and he loses it. it. It does lose it. Oh, yeah, but at the end, when his plan is foiled, he loses it. But all the way up to that, he's in control. Whereas this Master seemed to be losing it pretty much from the get-go, and, and constantly doing so. And actually, to some extent, like John Sims' master did as well. And I was never all that taken with John Sims' master no, me, either. me either. I mean, great, great actors doing a great job. And I, I enjoyed the, the, the portrayal of the character that they had chosen to write. That character just doesn't quite click for me as the master. I mean, that's just my personal thing. This is definitely my favourite version of the master since Anthony Ainley, no question. Uh, I, I thought Sasha Doan came across as, as calm, was understandably irritated when parts of his plan were, were thwarted and you know, kind of adapted. And uh, I, I, liked, I liked the scene in his TARDIS with Lenny Henry uh, fairly early in the episode where you know, they, they were discussing plans, something had gone wrong, and it made me smile when he started bashing his head against his, uh, his TARDIS, that did make me smile. Uh, but I, I just like the way that they interacted together as a pairing. I, I completely agree also about Lenny Henry's performance. It was, well, it totally took me by surprise. Not, not that I knew what to expect, um, but I, I just thought he was calm, cool, confident, convincing throughout. And uh, despite it being a slightly odd plot, I suppose, or odd objective involving his mother. But uh, but let's, uh, let's, let's talk about um, a, a few of the other elements of this episode. And, uh, and, and for me, 
I, I, I would say I got a little, a little bored by the story, um, but I was kept interested by some very small, little inconsequential part so for example where the doctor is giving instructions how to save themselves in the plane uh, i liked it uh however it was a complete carbon copy from blink it was yeah but i i i actually enjoyed the whole plane sequence i thought that was great fun uh i thought the imagery of the plane with the cockpit missing yeah, and sw- swooping in through the grinning face of the plane right into the cabin i thought that was really great stuff actually i mean that's I I find it different. I don't recall seeing anything quite like that, even in a Hollywood blockbuster movie. I thought it was brilliant that the Who team is bringing such fun stuff to our screen. So I I really enjoyed that whole piece. I thought it was a fun way out. Yeah, it was a little bit derivative of Blink, but Blink was, what, nearly 10 years ago now? And, you know, there's only so many ways the Doctor can get people out of peril. And I thought it was actually quite nicely done, the, the, the way they constructed it. Yeah, uh, I, I thought it was okay, uh, but um, I, I I agree certainly that we hadn't seen anything like that before, and I appreciated the originality without any any question. But yeah, the, 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 there was a blink homage. There was well, here homage wasn't really a homage, was it? They just had similar similar beats in in the same way that last week reminded me of Army of Ghosts with the Cybermen. Um, transitioning from a different dimension into ours, uh, taking the form of these angels, I think they were called, and uh, I think Ada called one of the Kazarvin a guardian. Mm. And uh, so, you know, angel-like, I suppose. I thought that was slightly derivative uh, as well. I, I half again... expected for them to, to end up being Cybermen, uh, particularly when they started talking about using humans as spare parts for something. I thought, they've got to be Cybermen. This has got to be Cybermen. And then it wasn't. <laughs> and, that, and that was precisely my suggestion last week. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I, I thought they were going to go there again as well, right up until about halfway through um, this this episode. I very, very much liked seeing the tissue compression eliminator in action. I mean, we saw it was back last week. The effect they had was brilliant. It was It was slightly comedic, but horrific at the same time. And I, I just like the way that the master was pure evil. And I, I know we've had a discussion about the master already, but one question I certainly wanted to to raise was where in the master's sequence of regenerations does this incarnation fit? Is is this before Missy? The the four knocks you you know that the doctor uses on the Morse code device suggests that potentially this could be, you know, just after John Sims iteration. Uh, possibly, uh, I don't. I see no reason why this can't be after Missy because she doesn't have the four knocks in her head. They're gone by them. Uh, it, but it's not. About, it's not in his head. It's not as if he's obsessed by it. He simply recognises it, and because she explains it as a Gallifreyan heartbeat. I wondered at that point, just because obviously the Missy version of the Master was almost borderline redemption, and this 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 version of the Master has gone completely the other way, back towards being pure evil. And I wonder whether it was just actually, you know, part of the journey to Missy, as opposed to what happened next, especially given the um, ending of the Master at the end of, or what was it, Worlds and Time Enough, was so conclusive, or allegedly was so conclusive, but at the same time, so was Anthony Ainley's Master in um, Planet of Fire. That was that was pretty conclusive, and yet 
he returned for, with no apparent explanation. Yes, and has done so many times over the years. I think they could plot their way out of that in five seconds if they even chose to address it. But they um, chose not to. <laughs> yeah, I, I, my, my working assumption is that this is post-Missy. Uh, and I don't think that we need to construct any more elaborate story than that. In my personal Who canon, that the Time Lords all have a sort of a common timeline running anyway. Otherwise, it gets hideously complicated as to how any of this make. I mean, the whole thing about have you been back to Gallifrey recently? Um, so I mean, that, well, hang on. Firstly, all, of a, all of a sudden, the Doctor can just find Gallifrey whenever she wants. I, well, I, yes. I missed something. Yeah. And, you know, find Gallifrey at what point in time and space, exactly. obviously the time and space that, that the Master's talking about. And in fact, because it's in the bubble universe, that makes it post the Doctor saving yes. it. Uh, so I don't quite know where that... Wasn't Missy uh, after that? Oh, goodness me. Um, Day of the Doctor was where the bubble yeah. universe got created or first mooted. Capaldi's doctor tried to find Gallifrey after Missy gave him false coordinates. Um, So I I have a feeling that that does place it after Missy because if this master has been to the bubble universe, it has to be after all that stuff's played out. So there you go, we've we've solved it for you. Uh, I wonder... I wonder. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure whether that stacks up or not, potentially. I, I think it probably does, in all honesty. The reference to a bubble universe definitely places events after Day of the Doctor, but not necessarily before Missy. Not necessarily after Missy. Isn't it great to be oh, a who, Doctor Who, who fan? Uh, what we need, <laughs> and I'm certain this will be forthcoming from fandom very shortly, is some kind of master timeline now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure someone will put it together in some sort of pictogram. <laughs> I thought it was fun seeing... I mean, there's clearly a riff on powerful female characters in history, and I, I quite like that. Most of the sort of characters really doing stuff in this were, were female. I think that was quite a nice touch. What did you make of the... Was it the, the, the silent child or the time child at the end? Oh, right at the very end. I mean, yeah, we're, we're really emulating the RTD era big time, aren't we? After having an entire series of absolutely no continuity references at all, all of a sudden we've got... References to classic Who, literally classic Who. The word classic was mentioned. Jodrell Bank. But yeah. And now we have a reference to the Timeless Child, which I believe was mentioned in the Ghost Monument last season. Oh, this this is a repeat, is it? I didn't realise that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, Ian. I mean, this this is the problem, dear listeners. Uh, We're recording literally minutes after the episode ends the the, the benefit is that you get our instant immediate reactions the downside is that we don't get a chance to check anything that we say Uh, I I believe there was a reference to the timeless child in episode two of of the last series of the 2018 series but it was it was a single mention and again people just assumed that it had been dropped right so there's obviously some big archy story to come here with Obviously, more master to come back uh, later in the season. Yeah, it just feels as though Chibnall's decided last year's season was not sustainable for more, or, or the format and style was not sustainable for more than the first year. Well, I think we all thought that it was. Uh, it had to go up a gear from last year. I've not met many people who really raved about last season. There was lots of sort of meh. It was okay. And yeah. my thoughts as well, it was it was okay, it wasn't terrible, it, it wasn't awful, but it didn't grab you by the throat and say, watch me, watch me, watch me. So <laughs> that, that they had to shift it up again. I think certainly 
the first definitely the first episode and i'd probably say the first two episodes have done that to a good extent if they can keep this level of energy and pace going through the rest of the season um i think we'll we'll have a more certainly more memorable season i'm sure there'll be some clunkers there's always some clunkers but i'd actually rather they took a few chances and had a few ones that saw and a few that clunk than just sort of you know playing it safe and have it all being a bit bland which is how i felt last year's uh, was no, I, I agree. And I think you're right. The storytelling of the first two episodes has changed a little. It's certainly evolved rather than transformed. And I think the biggest consistency with the previous season is the characterization of the Doctor and the way that Jodie Whittaker is playing her. And uh, whilst there's nothing wrong with it, it does kind of smack of factory settings a little bit for me. What did you think of the TARDIS gang this week? Because I know that they were a little bit fifth yeah. wheel last time. Uh, yeah, last week, well, I say last week, a few days ago, uh, there was a whole load of positivity coming from fandom to say, oh, look, Yaz has got something to do. Um, all of the companions have a role to play. Uh, I think that completely went out the window uh, this this week. And again, one of the other tropes that Chibnall has that I identify is him giving large speeches to the Doctor to info dump and simply describe the story and that happened twice in this episode. It happened once when the companions were on the run and were just taking five minutes or so out um, to discuss their situation in the, in that factory or a hangar or something. Um, that scene was totally inconsequential because it followed a scene where the Doctor had just downloaded the entire plot. I think. Um, but yeah, Yaz again retreated into obscurity. Uh, Ryan was quite funny, had some had some good lines. but And, and again, Graham was the comic relief. And uh, yeah, nothing of real importance, I would say. How, how about you? I thought there were fun scenes. I know the whole dancing with a laser shoe was a bit silly, but it made me laugh. It made my kids laugh. Yeah. You know, it's fun. I think the biggest problem I had with what they did is they went in this whole sort of arc, ended up at the warehouse with Lenny Henry's dead mum, and then the Doctor came in and solved everything, and ultimately they didn't achieve anything at all other than to survive, (laughs) which felt a little bit of a, you know, you kind of hope they'd have done something with all that activity. You are absolutely 100% correct. The ending was a massive anticlimax because it was just resolved off screen. Um, it was it's a cardinal sin, really. It's just telling, not showing. Um, but I think the reason why they did that was to to, to throw the question up into the air of uh, of who the Doctor is, and and throughout this episode and part one, who the Doctor is and the mystery of the Doctor has been referenced by the companions on a number of occasions, and that culminated in that last five minute segment of the of, of the episode, which I found quite intriguing. I have to say, I'm glad they've asked her. Uh, those questions and I'm glad they've had a conversation again it um it mirrored for me the conversation the 10th doctor had with Martha at the end of gridlock I do wonder I thought the ending was so anticlimactic I'm wondering if it really was the ending I mean we saw Lenny Henry's character well I can't remember the character's name I should refer to him by his name really Daniel Um, someone or other (laughs) <laughs> uh, he he just walked off. He escaped. Barton. Um, and although the the plan was foiled, it it wasn't exactly re- reversed. And we never really found out much about the super dimensional glowy things. 
Um, yeah. I do wonder if there's a, another shooter drop on this story, and that's why it seemed to sort of, you know, coast to a halt in a siding rather than go out on a bang, because I didn't really get the feeling that anyone other than the master was really defeated, and even the master, you know, isn't really defeated. So, you know, the master's now in the other dimension with the glowy creatures. Presumably, he'll come back possibly with the glowy creatures, who knows. I don't think we've seen the last of Barton either. I really hope not, actually, because I thought it was a great character. Um, and the way he just walked off exit stage left at the end, I think leaves it open for it to come back again. Mm, mm. No, I think you're right. And I think the reason for that is because the story isn't really the story. It's, 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 I, mean, I think you summarised it really well, actually, earlier on. Um, and the more I think about it, the more I'm warming to this theory. Um, the A-plot is the B-plot, and the B-plot is the A-plot. And therefore, the real story that Chibnall was trying to tell us about is the relationship the Doctor has with the Master, Gallifrey, all of the other stuff, including the aliens and the actual problem of the week, is incidental. And uh, I, I do think maybe this is why so many major plot elements or what we took to be major plot elements were left unresolved or left fairly up in the air. But then again, so many other stories within season 11 that Chibnall wrote just kind of ended without having genuine resolution. So it could also be endemic of Chibnall's writing. Yeah, I mean, you think back to Rosa where you had that funny time criminal bloke. Yeah, what a space racist. Who we were all convinced was going to come back and just disappeared and never came back unless there really is a massive multi-season thing happening and it'll all come through at some season yeah. finale down the road i'm not completely convinced to be honest with you me either and uh, i'd be surprised if that was the case i i just think we I, I think the scale of the u-turn from the previous series in terms of the stories that are being told is is huge so you know we've got gallifrey we've got continuity we've got the master back in a new incarnation got references to Logopolis you know it's we've got you know all of these things that were totally absent from the previous previous season and yet the storytelling still feels pretty much the same it's still quite lightweight in areas um, and again I, I still think the main driver of that lightweight feel is the way the doctor is being played and, and unless they start taking some risks fairly soon with that character and again maybe having the Gallifrey element and it is going to allow them to do this, um, then actually we're not going to end up getting anything massively different from uh, from season 11. But uh, but who knows? Well, I thought when you saw the Doctor on Gallifrey and there was tears in her eyes as she saw the burning devastation, that to me was a new dramatic and emotional depth to this incarnation of the Doctor that we hadn't seen. It's been yeah. very fluffy, yeah. superficial. So maybe you're right, maybe that is now the, the, the key that will turn to give some some depth to this particular uh, incarnation. Yeah, maybe. I mean, for, for me, with Gallifrey, is one minute, there's no other Time Lords, then Gallifrey is back, um, then it was put in a bubble universe and no one could find it, now it's back and it appears to be destroyed again by the Master. I mean, this is... Uh, this feels a little bit like Gallifrey's put in a drawer and um, pulled out again <laughs> at, um, at various convenient points in, in the whole continuum <laughs> of, uh, of Doctor Who, but we, we shall see. So having heard what we think of this week's show, we've also got a few minutes from Drew, who just wanted to f put a few extra points over about part one of Sky uh, Spyfall. <laughs> Howdy. 
Drew here with some quick thoughts on Series 12, Episode 1, Spyfall! An apt title, since 2020's contribution to the Bond franchise is No Time to Die. Get it? Because the Doctor travels through time. Yeah, never mind. So I think I'm slightly more enthusiastic about the first nine-tenths of this episode than James and Phil were in their review, so I just want to talk about what I liked. Number one. Unlike the majority of last series episodes, Spyfall sees the Doctor and company facing some actual peril. The baddies are baddies and not misunderstood or threats fulfilling their natural urges. We've got spy-frying lasers and London traffic and the mysterious phasing Vord-like would-be universe conquerors. To the fam falling from the sky while the Doctor is teleported to the Synapse Realm. To, you know what, I'll get to the big bad in just a second. Number two, the snazzy party fam. Cosplayers, you have your work cut out for you. And I, for one, am here for the results. Oh look, a script where everyone has something to do and the Doctor doesn't feel as though she's a guest on her own show. See, I agree with James that Whitaker needs meteor scripts, but disagree about the speeches. Because between Smith and Capaldi, I am sort of speeched out. Though maybe, maybe Whitaker can give it her own spin and not come across as preachy. Number four, Sasha Dewan. Folks, I was not spoiled. Though, my God, you tried. Social media, you are not as sneaky as you think you are. This was a nuanced performance. The Master plays a long game and, and gets very gleeful when it comes to its fruition. And, and I dug it. See, I haven't got a chance to give this episode a second viewing, but... I would bet good money that there's all sorts of tells to be discovered when I do. I don't need the master to be the series arc, but based on Dewan's performance, I could stand for at least one more appearance in this series. You know, aside from the next episode. Speaking of, I am glad that there's not much of a wait between episodes one and two. So let's hope Chibs can stick the landing with this sophomore offering. Thank you, Drew. Yes, not one to be left out when he has opinions, but uh, very, very pleased to to be able to bring you Drew's thoughts on uh, on last week's episode. And again, I mean, you know what Americans are like, listeners. They're at least one week behind. So next week you might get his views on part two. <laughs> you never know. You've challenged him now. <laughs> There you go. Thank you, James. It's been great fun to have a, a chance to talk about an active live Doctor Who episode again, for mm. in my case, the first time in many years. <laughs> and it's also great to hear that we've been getting loads and loads of feedback from our listeners. So I think in the not distant future, we'll have to put together a feedback episode where we look into all your thoughts and, and how you've been taking the new series. That's a great idea, yes. And we have received an unprecedented amount of feedback, I have to say, through Twitter and Facebook. It's been wonderful just to, just to read your thoughts and my goodness there's there's no real consistent theme to this feedback this time it's 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 the worst doctor who ever made it's the best doctor who ever made and it's the most meh doctor who ever made simultaneously uh, so yeah I've, i very much look forward to that feedback episode and you can contribute to it by getting in contact by emailing us at feedback at the doctor who podcast you can get us on Twitter, which is at the DR Who Podcast, or you can just search us up on Facebook. I think I've covered everything there. Ian, have I forgot anything? Uh, the carrier pigeon. The carrier pigeon, yes, yes. I think the carrier pigeon speckled Jim met a rather sticky end uh, along with Stephen Fry last week. <laughs> <laughs> That's all for now, listeners. Thanks for tuning in and tune in next week when we'll be reviewing episode three of season 12. All the best and bye for now. Bye, everyone. That was the Doctor Who Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. 
If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care.